Uh, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, beautiful day out there, isn't it? It's an awesome uh, weekend, and great to hear that update on uh, how God's using River Glen to reach out into the community. Let's give God a hand for that. Isn't that great? So many needs out there. Great to hear how we're uh, helping people out locally. And a question for you as we get started. How many of you uh, are a little bit afraid of heights? You get a little nervous around uh, <laughs> one of these things uh, right uh, here. You know, if you're like me, I get weak need uh, just looking at at one of these things. And uh, when it comes time to climb one of these, maybe to get up on our roof, clean out the gutters, how many of us secretly wish our spouse or neighbor or friend would climb it instead? And, you know, we'll stand at the bottom and hold it and offer moral support. You know, I'm okay, you know, up to about this step right here. But after this step, something physically changes inside. And what does it take to go to the rest of the way to get past that? It takes faith. It takes trust, faith in the maker of the ladder that they constructed it properly and that it's going to hold me up. And faith that the footing of the ladder is uh, secure. Now, some of us are just kind of fearless or, you know, maybe we're not smart enough to worry and we just go right to the top, you know. Others of us have watched too many episodes of America's Funniest Videos. Take a look. You know, for those of us afraid of heights, you know, we don't even need to see that video. And it doesn't matter if we see 100 people climb up and down a ladder uh, without issue. I mean, we feel anxious when we step up uh, to one of these. We're not going to climb something as risky as an ascension elevation uh, mechanism, are we? But the truth is that ladders help us reach places that we could never reach on our own. Now, my goal today is not really to talk about ladders or, or you know, uh, fear of, of, of heights. Maybe you're not even afraid of heights, but I want to use the ladder as an illustration of how fear can keep us from experiencing the kind of freedom that Jesus longs for all of us to have, including the number one area where many people, including sincere uh, Christians, feel weak, need, and nervous and worried, and that's the area of finances. Imagine if you could wake up tomorrow morning and feel no worry or stress or anxiety about your financial situation, I think we would agree. That would be pretty awesome. But even though Jesus has done all the work to offer us spiritual and financial freedom through his love, mercy, and grace, and, and forgiveness, we have a part in this process of freedom, and that is to believe, to believe in Jesus. So each weekend of this series, we've challenged you to embrace a, a belief. The first weekend, we looked at this belief that all I have has come my way from the loving hand of God. We believe that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And it takes humility to embrace this belief because it means admitting that, you know, I didn't earn my money on my own. Sure, you know, I worked hard, but God gave me the talent and the abilities and the education and the people 
that helped me along the way. And embracing this belief helps us to live with gratitude and to trust that our loving God will continue to provide for us. And then last week, uh, Brandon uh, did an excellent job. If you didn't get a chance to see his message, go to our website and check it out. He talked about this second belief that I must learn to live joyfully within God's current provision for my life. And the key word here is joyfully. My level of provision may go up and, and, and down, but you know, wherever it is, rather than attempting to arrange another way to get what I want, which typically involves going into consumer debt, which often reveals a lack of joy with what God's already given to me. And now, uh, today we're going to talk about a third belief that leads to the financial freedom that God longs for all of us to have, but it's going to require something. Guess what? It's going to require faith and trust. Today's message is counterintuitive because it's going to ask us to do something that we probably wouldn't normally associate with financial freedom, and that is to give our money away. Today is about trusting God more than our wallet. Now, I know, you know, sometimes when we talk about this subject in this room, it gets kind of quiet in here because some people feel, this subject makes some people feel guilty. But here's what I want to do. No guilt today, okay? Let's make this a no guilt zone. Let's just push guilt, you know, out in the parking lot there. And let's just, let's just think this through together. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it up to 1 Timothy chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul talks to, writes this letter to this young pastor named Timothy, and he tells him how to lead his church. And Paul starts out and he says, teach those who are rich in this world. And let's stop right there because this is something that we all need to hear. Paul talks to this young pastor named Timothy and he says, teach the rich people in your church because otherwise they're not going to be very good at being rich. You know, Paul, Paul knew, knows the truth that most rich people are not very good at it. You know, if you look at the studies, you've probably seen the statistics. The more money that we make, the less that we give away and the more that we hoard it and the more that we spend it on ourselves because there's just so many things to spend our money on. We might think the more I make, the more I'll give, but research shows the more I make, the more I keep. And so Paul tells young Timothy, teach those who are uh, rich in this world. And you're probably thinking, okay, maybe someday I'll need this teaching. You know, someday maybe one of my relatives will, will leave a, a, a big inheritance for me. Or, you know, maybe someday I'll win the lottery. Or maybe I'll really strike it big at work. Maybe someday I'll be rich. But before you think this teaching is for other people, I want to play a little game with you, all right? And uh, this game is called You Might Be Rich. And uh, it goes like this. I came across this game. It goes like this. If you have ever complained that you don't have enough storage space on your DVR, uh, you might be rich. If you have ever complained about the gas mileage of your RV, you know, while pulling your boat, you might be rich. If you've ever complained because your computer and your iPad and your iPhone are not syncing properly on your computer, you might be rich. If you've ever stood in front of a full refrigerator and said, there's nothing to eat, you might be rich. If you've ever stood in front of a closet full of clothes and said, there's nothing to wear, you might be a woman. No, no <laughs> you might be rich person. That's what it says. I think you get uh, the idea. I want you to notice here how Paul says rich in this world. It doesn't say rich in comparison to your neighbors or rich compared to your family or your friends or, or other people at work. Rich 
in comparison to the rest of the world. So let's take a look at some, some numbers about our world. Seven billion people on the planet, 8% own a car. One in 100 own a computer. 5% make 25,000 a year or more. Now I know many of us in this room are struggling financially. But I want you to know when Paul says, teach those who are rich in the world, he's not talking about, you know, Bill Gates rich or I won the lottery or rich. Because if I have a computer, if I have a car, if I make at least 25000 a year, I'm richer than 95% of the people in the world. I'm in the top 5% of the world's wealth. And this scripture applies to me. But I want to emphasize something. I want to make sure you understand. This doesn't mean that we should feel guilty about it. Because nowhere in the Bible does it equate wealth with evil. God doesn't oppose the wealthy. In fact, throughout Scripture, God uses wealthy people like David and Solomon and Abraham, just to name a few, to do incredible things because they were good at being rich. And so Paul goes on and uh, he, teaches, he teaches us how to be a good rich person. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud So what do you think pride looks like when it comes to our our, our money? Well, here's what pride does. Pride says, the the money I make is mine, 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 mine. I earned it, I deserve it, and so I'm in charge of it. Where humility says, sure, you you know, I worked for this money with my hands, but God gave me these hands. Sure, I used my brain to build my wealth, but God gave me this brain. Humility says, all that we have has come our way by the loving hand of God. And then Paul goes on, and he says something about wealth. This might surprise you that this is in the Bible. He says, God gives us all that we need. Why? For our enjoyment. Isn't that good? And I hope that that resolves some of the guilt and and fear and worry that maybe you have about God and, and, and finances. Because if you've been taught in a church that God doesn't want you to enjoy your money and God wants you to just give it all away and just be, be miserable, uh, that doesn't sound like something God would say. Because God says, I gave you the ability, I gave you the education so that you can make money and I want you to enjoy it. But I want you to also be a good rich person. And then Paul goes on and he explains why so many people are not good at being uh, rich. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which means that we hoard it, you know, or we, or, or, or we spend it on ourselves and we think it's going to make us happy. We think it's going to fulfill us. And, and, and here's why he says uh, not to trust money, because it is so unreliable, now, if we were an amen church, I imagine many of us could say amen uh, to that because we personally experienced how money is not reliable. You look at the stock market, it goes up and down. It's just all over the place. We worry about when the next recession is going gonna, is gonna to hit. And some of us worry because we trusted that money, more money would solve all our problems. I mean, if you read enough magazines and self-help books and watch enough commercials on TV, they'll lead you to believe that making more money is like a ladder that leads to money and, and success and happiness and possessions and, and power. And some of us trusted it. And we climbed it and conquered it, but then we discovered that money also causes many problems. And many of us came tumbling down back to the ground because we trusted in the ascension of wealth 
rather than the foundation of God's provision. Paul says, don't put your trust in money because it's unreliable and it won't satisfy you. And it's not going to come through for you in your time of, of need. But then Paul goes on, he tells us the key to being good at being rich. He says to Timothy, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And so this ladder is no longer, it's no longer a ladder to wealth and possessions and power. It's not, the, it's not the steps to prosperity. Now this ladder represents steps of generosity. And these steps of generosity require what? Faith and trust. But unlike money that's so unreliable, look at what Paul says about trusting God and generosity. He says, he says, by doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. In other words, you build a secure foundation for your life and your future by trusting God and generosity. And Paul says you'll experience true life, which means blessing. Joy, peace, contentment, now and forever. And isn't that what we all want? And so let me introduce you to uh, a different ladder. We're going to call this the generosity ladder that leads to this true life, this better life that, that God has in store for all of us. And if you go ahead and take out your outline in your uh, program, turn it over. We've got the uh, ladder printed out there, and you can... Fill it out as, uh, as you uh, follow along. The first step on the ladder represents an initial giver. And this is the person who opens their heart and decides for the first time to give uh, to God, which is much more than just a financial step because this first step you know, represents our trust, putting our trust in God rather than money. And then the next step represents a consistent giver. This, this person decides to put together a plan to, to uh, give on a consistent basis, maybe once a week, maybe, maybe twice a month, perhaps online or through their mobile uh, device. This person gives regularly. Next is the intentional giver. This person begins to think about their giving in relation to how they spend money in other areas of life. For example, an intentional giver might ask, you know, why am I giving more money to my cell phone company than I'm giving to God? Should I give more money to, uh, to God than I spend on vacation or on my monthly mortgage? Intentional givers begin to make this a priority. And then we have the sacrificial giver. Sacrificial givers begin to make changes in their lifestyle that cost them something. A sacrificial giver will ask the question, am I giving in a way that changes me? Am I giving in a way that, that uh, makes my lifestyle uh, different? Does my giving reflect the heart of Jesus. And finally, there's the legacy giver. And this is somebody who makes decisions in the short term that have a long-term effect on their generosity capacity. They think of the home that they might buy, the car that they drive, the amount that they keep in savings as it relates to their generosity capacity. Uh, legacy givers don't ask God, how much do you want me to give? They ask God, how much do you want me to keep? so that I can release the rest of it for your purposes. Now, each of the past two weeks, we've given you a, a, a belief to embrace. And here's, here's the uh, third belief to embrace in order to be financially free and reconciled with God. Here, here's, here's today's truth. When I put my trust in God and give generously, I will experience the joy of building a lasting legacy. But you know what? Just like a physical uh, ladder... 
Each step of the generosity ladder, from the first step to the top step, requires faith that God is more reliable than money. And, you know, just like many of us are afraid of heights, many of us are afraid to trust anybody, let alone God, with our, our, our money. And although we've trusted Christ spiritually to reconcile us and free us, somehow we've refrained from trusting him in our, in our finances. So let me see if I, I can help, help us make sense out of this. Years, uh, a few years ago, this pastor uh, drew this diagram, and it really helped me, resonated with me, and so maybe this will be helpful to you. Let's imagine that there's, that there's two different people, and uh, both of them are uh, uh, Christians. Both became Christians at the same time. In fact, they, they attend the same church, and they're even in the same small, uh, small group. Both of them have declared love for Jesus, uh, both, of them, uh, both of them have heard messages, the same messages on God's provision, and they participated in Bible studies about generosity and, and being willing to share with others. But while one has uh, decided to trust God, okay, in this area, the other has not. She is a truster. He is a non-truster. Uh, you see, this person on the top here believes, he believes that to get from A to B in his life, it's going to take 100% of his income, every paycheck, every tax return, every nickel, you know, under the couch. If I'm going to go from A to B, I'm going to need 100% of my uh, money. And very often with good intentions, you know, these people, what they'll do is they'll say, you know what, when I get to B, then I'll get on the generosity ladder, okay? When I get this under control, you know, then I'll, then I'll start being uh, generous. I'll take that first step. Now, on the other hand, this person takes a look at her finances, and she also wants to get to B, but she decides that God is going to get me from A to B on 90% of my income. She decides to give God that first 10% as she's, been as she's been instructed to do. The Bible talks about percentage, uh, generosity. It's called a tithe. It means a tenth. And so she decides, I'm going to give the first 10% of my income to God to represent my trust in him and my willingness to share. And she believes she can get to be on 90% while, while giving that first 10% portion to God. Now, let me tell you something about these two people, Okay. Now, a little secret. Maybe you know this already. Both of these people think the other one, pardon my French, both of these people think the other one is an idiot. Okay? I mean, you know, he looks at her, and he says, she must be crazy. She thinks she's going to go from A to B on 90%. She must have, she, she drank that pastor's Kool-Aid. What she did. Really? A to B on 90%? Uh, percent? But it works the other way, uh, too. You know, this Christian down here, she looks at him and she thinks, you're crazy, okay? You think you're going to go from A to B without relying on God? You're missing out on one of the coolest parts of Christianity, seeing God work supernaturally in your life and in your, in your finances. You know, a few moments ago, we sang a beautiful song called The, the Stand. You know, you were singing it. You know, I, I, I was singing it. And I stand with arms high and heart surrendered, God, all I have is yours. You know, God, all I have is yours, but you're not touching my wallet. You know, all I have is yours, but you're not touching my tithe, right? Jesus, I trust you for my eternity, but not in my current uh, bank account. And she looks at him, and she feels sorry for him because he's missing out on the full measure of God's joy and blessing 
in, in his life. Because take another look at what Paul promises. He says, by doing this, by being generous, uh, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. And what Paul is saying here, and what we see throughout the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, is that when we trust God with our money, not only uh, will he get us from A to B, but he'll take us, if I could get that um, diagram back, thanks. Not only will he take us from A to B, he takes us beyond B all the way to C. And C is this place where we experience God doing all kinds of incredible things in our life. C is a place where we experience these blessings that are greater than we imagined. Which, and, and many of us in this room have experienced C, haven't we? You know, we trusted God with our, with our money. And rather than being overwhelmed with our financial situation, God overwhelmed us with blessing and provision. I sat in a meeting recently with a, a group from River Glen, and we talked about times that we felt close to God. And several people shared See stories, you know, where they trusted God and, and, and God uh, blessed them. And, and as I sat there listening to these powerful stories, I thought to myself, you know, I hear, I hear see stories frequently, but maybe you don't. And I hear them just because of my job. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I, maybe I'll share one of these with you. So I asked, asked somebody if I could share their story. And they said, and they not only said absolutely, they wrote it out for me. And so I share this with, uh, with their permission. They wrote, I think it was uh, 2011, when our family contemplated how we would participate in Cannonball. Some of you remember Cannonball. It was a generosity initiative that we did as a church. And at what level? We went back and forth trying to figure out where God was leading us, balanced against our own need to be in control of our finances. I would come up with a $1 amount, and my wife would come up with another. In the end, we found ourselves led to a, a giving pledge that on paper was impossible based on our existing inflow and outflow of finances. But we felt God asking us to trust him. So we wrote our, our number down and made our commitment with our giving levels exceeding 20% of our income. I tried and tried to make the numbers calculate comfortably on paper. I would crunch the budgets and spreadsheets and, and make feeble attempts at getting the dollars to add up, but it was useless. God very... Uh, clearly was calling us to trust him in this. Malachi 3.10 was a verse that, that uh, re- reminded them, reminded their family as they took this leap of, of faith. It was a powerful verse which says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And they write that the strangest part of cannonball for our family was the miraculous way God took control of our family's finances and began to bless us in ways that we couldn't explain. At the same time that we were making such a financial commitment in Cannonball, new opportunities would unexpectedly pop up or a promotion and accompanied raise would be received from work. At giving levels that didn't even support breaking even on paper, we found ourselves by the end of Cannonball having debts paid down or off completely, savings accounts hydrated, and our overall family quality of life better than ever as we united to work toward a common God-led goal. Yes, there were sacrifices and we ate a lot of rice and beans, but when I ask my kids today if they missed anything in particular, they can't name one. What they can name, though, are the numerous incredible memories and stories that were penned by God's hand all over our family's life since that decision to trust him. And it's way beyond the financial aspect, how we spend time together as a family, 
how we involve ourselves in the mission of God's church through River Glen, and how we interact with the world around us all changed when we as a family accepted God's challenge to trust him. I look forward to the next time he calls us to do something that doesn't necessarily make sense on paper because he does amazing things with our lives when we put our trust in his hands. Our family's forever grateful for Cannonball and the opportunity to be part of something much bigger than ourselves. It's a great story, isn't it? You know, they just tried to go from A to B. And God said, no, no, no. We're not just going to B. I'm going to take you to C. And they experienced provision and blessings as, as, as individuals and as a family that went way beyond what they imagined. And you know what? That's just one of many C stories that I heard that evening. You know, I think about this church. I think the story of this church is a C story. Next weekend, it'll be 20 years ago that uh, Marnie and I and two of our kids, you know, loaded up the truck and moved here from Kentucky to help plant a church. We didn't have any volunteers. We didn't have any people. We didn't have any building. Just a dream. Sometimes people think we had this all planned out, you know, from A to, to B. But when we moved up here, I dreamed if we could just someday reach 100 people for Jesus, that'd be awesome. That would be success. That was my B. And God said, no, no, no. We're not just going to go from A to B. We're going to go beyond B. And, and, and we're going to go to C. And now this, this church, I mean, we've baptized hundreds of people. Last year alone, we baptized over 160 people. We've been able to help plant five new, uh, five new churches. We've been able to give away hundreds of thousands of dollars to serve needs and and help the poor because people like you have trusted God more than money. You know, for example, um, uh, last October we did something we've never done before. We did this series on love, and our leaders felt like, you know, let's do something to just demonstrate love, a radical demonstration of love and, and, and generosity. And so we decided the last weekend of the series, let's just give away the offering. We called it the big offering giveaway. And we gave away every penny of the offering to help people outside of, of River Glen. We set this goal of $75,000, which is almost twice our normal weekend offering, but you gave way beyond that. And we received over $117,000, so we had uh, money to do more than we uh, thought we uh, could. And so, you know, we, we started looking for some projects, and we, uh, we called our ministry partner in Haiti. And uh, we said, you know, do you guys have any projects that you need some help with? We've got $5,000 that, you know, we're looking for a home for. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, we got projects. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they weren't kidding. Turns out they were praying. They were looking for exactly that amount, $5,000 to buy this piece of property right here to build a new building for a church. And so a team from River Glen, we sent them the money, a team from River Glen went down in March and took this, this picture of this, of, this, of this construction and they helped with the construction of this building for a new church that's gonna, that's gonna make more and better followers of Jesus in one of the poorest areas around North uh, America. Again, we just tried to go from A to B and God said, no, we're, going, we're, we're not just going from A to B, we're going past B and we're going to C. And that's what God does in our lives and in our families and in our church. 
when we trust him more than, more than money. So let's go back to that diagram of those, of those two people, those Christians. And remember, they, each one thinks the other one's an idiot, you know. I mean, he looks at her and he thinks, oh, she's crazy. She thinks she can go from A to B, uh, 90% of her income. And she looks at him and she thinks, oh, he's crazy. He thinks he can go from A to B, you know, without uh, relying on God. Well, here's my question for you. Which kind of Christian do you want to be? You know, for me personally, I want to be this kind of idiot right here. <laughs> I want to be this kind of faith-filled idiot right here because I've been there, and I don't want to go back there. I want to live, you know, right here, and I want to experience God's sea. I want, to, I want, I want, I want sea stories. I want to experience sea stories in, in my life. I want, to, I want to trust God's uh, provision, God's foundation of provision for my life rather than trust in money. Which kind of Christian do you want to be? Well, as you think about the generosity ladder, I hope that you don't feel intimidated by it. I hope you don't feel, you know, worried uh, about it. I hope that you'll remember that God is a loving, faithful father. And he says to you, he says, don't worry because I'm with you and I'm for you. And I also hope you'll see that being generous leads to freedom. And so here's my challenge for you. If you're not, if you're not on the generosity ladder, you know, take that step. Step onto the ladder. Start giving back to God today. Sometimes what Christian people will do, sometimes what I hear is people will say, well, I'll be more generous with my time. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be more generous as a volunteer. And you know what? That means a lot. That's great. We value that, okay? Volunteering is, is hugely important in our church. But every time the Bible talks about generosity, it's talking about being generous with, with finances, with money. So if you're not on the ladder, take that step and, and uh, get on the generosity ladder. And if you're already on the generosity uh, ladder, go up a step. If you're an initial giver, become a consistent giver. If you're a consistent giver, become an intentional giver. And then become a sacrificial giver. And then a legacy giver. If you're already on the ladder, that's great. But go up a level. Take your next step. Remembering these three beliefs that all we have has come our way by the loving hand of God. And I will live joyfully within God's current provision in my life. And I will be generous to experience the joy of building a lasting legacy. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your generosity. God, you've been incredibly generous to each one of us and given us so many reasons to be grateful and just to live grateful as we follow you. God, thank you for Jesus who did all the work to set us free spiritually and financially and in every area of our lives. God, would you lead us to experience greater freedom today? God, we, we, we give you everything. We give you our hearts, our minds, our strength, our finances. God, we trust you to lead us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.